your Bibles tonight, Romans chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14. I want to share this message with you and study and preach God's Word tonight. Chapter number 14, verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8. The Bible says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live... We live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Look at verse number one with me. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Now, God is inspiring the Apostle Paul to write this message, this text, to the church at Rome. The church at Rome was a very diverse congregation. You had saved Gentiles. You had folks who had come from backgrounds that were far removed from that of your typical Jewish home. You had families in the church at Rome who had never known a day that they were not worshiping Jehovah God, but they had put their faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and had made themselves part of the local church. You had people from every age group and every course of life that had been saved and were part of the church and they all had different ideas about different things. They come from cultural backgrounds that varied extremely. And so, as you can imagine... There was the temptation of the flesh of the saved people in that church to emphasize and overemphasize things that were not biblical but preferential, things they preferred. And so the Apostle Paul is led by God to deal with this, to bring unity, accord, and a sweet spirit to the church. And he says something very plain in verse number 1 of chapter 14. Him that is weak in the faith, receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. He said, now listen, church at Rome, there's going to be people who, want, who are saved, who want to come and be part of your church. He said, receive them. But he gives them a warning and an admonition. He says, receive them, but don't receive them to doubtful disputation. When you receive them, don't let them bring along with them 
their doubtful disputations. What's a doubtful disputation? It's gray matter. It's gray area. It's preference from the past or from previous religious experiences or just something that you've picked. You see, the Jews, they would have had a big problem. I mean, their whole life they'd said no to bacon and there were Gentiles in their church eating hot dogs. Don't tell anybody, but our children down in the basement are eating hot dogs tonight. And I'll just have you know something. I'm glad nobody rushed down there. There are people who'd have problems with that even today. Doubtful disputations. Things, meat, what you eat, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. Special days of the week are two examples in the text. Doubtful disputations. Now, if you're a Christian who thinks you've got everything in black and white, you're wrong. There are so many things that we just don't know for sure. And the Lord in this passage of Scripture gives us the opportunity and encourages us to have the right attitude and the right spirit that promotes unity in the church in regards to doubtful disputations. Things that maybe be the thing that you love to talk about, the thing you love to think about, the thing you may even like to fuss about. If you get to fussing about it, then you're the problem. And you're the reason that the Apostle Paul brings this message and brings this text and some things that I think will help us. Now, doubtful disputation. Now, lest you run with this the wrong direction. Some people like to take Romans chapter 14 and say, you can't judge me. I can be a Christian any way I want to be a Christian. But I want you to know something. If we keep God's word in its context, we just left some very specific things that are non-negotiable in chapter number 13. I'll show them to you. Look in your Bible, chapter number 13. Chapter number 13. The Bible says in verse number 8, love one another. Verse number 9. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. Now, you know something. There's some non-negotiables. There's some things that I should stand in this pulpit and boldly proclaim. Thus saith the Lord, don't do that. And there's a few of them. List in this text. There's more. Verse 13. Let us walk honestly in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now there's some non-negotiables. Chambering, adultery, wantonness, Sexual perversion, strife, envying, drunkenness, rioting. Hey, God says, no. But there are other things that 
Some folks are tempted. And we're, it's, you know, it's easy to get this spirit of my preference is best. It happened to me this week. Somebody. Now, you know this, most likely. I like the University of Tennessee. I've been a Tennessee Vol for many, many years. Even though they've not done very good for years, I'm still a UT fan. And if you're a UT fan, you don't like Georgia, right? Sorry, Keith. <laughs> Watch him walking out. <laughs> you know, we like to pick our teams, right? I'm a Tennessee fan. You won't believe what I showed up in my office this week. Somebody left a brand new Georgia Bulldog 2021 National Football Champions T-shirt hanging over the back of my chair. I graciously sent them a message that I'm going to enjoy wearing that when I change the oil in my tractor. <laughs> we pick sides, you know. It's like this joke. I'm going to tell this joke Louis Short's way. What do you have when you have a field full of Fords and one Chevrolet? You have a junkyard and a ride home. But if Poppy was to tell that joke, if Poppy was to tell her, what do you have when you got a field full of Chevrolets and one Ford? You got a junkyard and a ride home. The Ford fans say, first on race day. The Chevrolet fans say, found on road dead. I grew up in a home where, and in a world where it was just, man, it was cut and dry. I'm just telling you what kind of heretic I am. I've got a Ford, a Chevrolet, and a Dodge. <laughs> I've even owned a Honda or two. That's terrible, ain't it? You were tempted to pick our teams and pick our sides. And it's fun. It should be fun. It should be something that we can laugh and have fun with. But we're so tempted to pick our sides and wave our flags that we take it into the matter of faith. And you'll see people wave certain flags. We don't do that. We do do this. We don't do that. We do do this. And they wave their flag and they raise their banner and they say, this is what we live for, what we stand for. Somebody came to our church in North Carolina one day and he was a real smart aleck. He said, before I preached that day, I introduced him. I was just trying to be gracious. I was just glad somebody visited the church and being nice to him. He said, in 10 minutes, I'll know what you're all about. I know exactly what he meant. He said, in 10 minutes, I'm going to be able to figure out what you're hung up about. And if I'm going to be hung up about something, I want to be hung up about knowing and understanding God's word, applying it accurately with the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I never saw him again, but I hope that's what he left with. Because we're so tempted to raise our flag that says, this is what I like, this is what I prefer, this is my style. And we'll wave our flag and wave our brand and we'll forget that God has given us his word and Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the whole world and multi-cultures and leave out broad swaths of the population because they don't fit our culture or our pet thing. 
And may God help us not to be those kinds of folks. And so the Apostle Paul says, there are things that are hard, set in stone. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Sin's wrong. But there are some gray matters. And he says, now listen, verse number 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. I want you to begin here, number one, doubtful disputations. We're going to talk about that. The Bible says receive the weak, but not their doubtful disputations. Now, it's the job of the church and mature Christians to have enough sense to welcome weak people that have a tendency to wave this flag or that flag to the neglect of the whole truth of God's word. We're to receive them, but we're not to receive their doubtful disputations. We're actually supposed to help them with that. Receive them. And you know the Bible teaches us something? Doubtful disputations are a sign of spiritual weakness. If you get hung up on something, it's a sign of spiritual weakness. It's kind of funny because these things have come up this week. I had a great conversation with a dear lady that I love very much about an experience she had with her church years ago. And no doubt there are a lot of doubtful disputations that were raised as the ultimate banner and the most important thing to the neglect of other things. Then I had another meeting yesterday. This one was better. A guy comes and rings the door at the back of the church. Dana answers the intercom and talks to him over the intercom. You could tell he's most likely homeless. And uh, All he said is, I would like to know if the church would, could find me a bicycle. And so Dana hollered at me and said, there's a guy here. I said, well, I'll go talk to him. So I went out and talked to him. Well, come to find out, the guy needed a bicycle. He says he's a missionary. He had alcohol in his breath and reeked of uh, cigarette smoke, which, you know, whatever. Uh, he says, I'm riding across the country. I need a bicycle. I had not think. I said, you know, there's some bicycles, old bicycles up in my shop. I said, I told him, I said, I'll tell you what, I might be able to find you a bicycle. And before I could leave the parking lot, you know what you want to fuss with me about? This was wild. His most important, the most important thing he could think of to talk to me about was he was certain that God was going to judge all the churches in America for all their graven images. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, it's awful. He said, churches have crosses all over. Churches have crosses. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Because I thought, man, this guy's hung up on cross. He's like, he hates, every time he rides, he's driving through America. And every church he sees has a cross. He's mad because that church has a cross. And he believes that's a graven image. And that's his thing. He hates it. Churches have crosses. Churches have crosses. And I talked to him for just a second. And I quickly said, I tell you what, I'm going to get you a bicycle. (laughs) And I did. Guess what I did? It was so fun. I went to the house. I found a bicycle. The only one that, that I could find I could, that the tires would pump up and it'd ride on. It happened to be Ruth's bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> What's real funny is this morning, I forgot to say anything to Ruth yesterday about giving her bicycle away. So this morning I saw him. He was riding past Food City on his way out of town. And I was coming the other direction. I took a picture of him and sent it to Ruth. I said, oh, oops, I forgot to tell you. I gave your bicycle away yesterday. <laughs> Anyway, he really thought that he had come to, he told me how many times he'd read the King James Version of the Bible through. 
seven times. And he really thought that he'd come to the very most important thing that there ever was to talk about, the graven image cross on church. It's kind of funny because I left to get the bicycle, and I pulled her. I said, I can't remember. Is there a cross on our steeple or not? So I pulled up here just so I could say, like, oops, <laughs> we got one too. <laughs> but the bottom line is this. It's a doubtful disputation. Now look, if he has a problem, and I'm, I, I'm trying not to be too uh, uh, unkind about people who have these ideas and notions. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. But if you've read through the Bible many times, and the only thing you can come up with is you're upset because there's churches with crosses, you've probably missed the main point. And the Bible says that we should be careful. We should receive people who are weak in the faith, but not their doubtful disputations. And we shouldn't fall prey to that. And we look at some things, we think, boy, that's ridiculous. But there's other things that we hold really dear to our hearts that may, in fact, be gray and not clear-cut in God's Word. I was just thinking about some doubtful disputations. I've been in... uh, pastoral ministry for 18 years. I've been an employee of a church for 20 years now. The 20th year I've been an employee of a Baptist church. And I've dealt with lots of doubtful disputations through the years. As a matter of fact, they've caused me a lot of trouble, heartache and grief through the years. But I was just kind of thinking about some that came up. I remember the very first one I dealt, one of the very first ones I dealt with as a teenager. I had uh, Pastor Chuck and Brother Fred had giving me the opportunity to take a van of teens. I was a senior in high school, and we'd gone to Bristol for something. some reason, they couldn't go. I had to be out of town or something. And I remember we went, and we went to the meeting, and after that, we went to Dairy Queen in Bristol, and I had my very first encounter with a hyper-Calvinist. And that guy said, if you can prove me wrong, I'll give you $100. And I was like, I probably can't prove you wrong. I, said, I, I, looked, I remember talking to him. I was like, I can't prove you wrong for nothing. I'm stupid. I don't have a clue. It didn't take him long to just leave me because I wasn't going to engage. But the spirit of the man, he got so hung up with fighting some. I was a teenager. I mean, I was a young preacher. I had a group of kids. We were trying to teach them God's word and go to church and try to do the right thing. And he wanted to fight with me. And I wouldn't fight him. I didn't have, any, I didn't have enough sense to fight him. I wouldn't fight him now. And I've been studying the Bible for 20 years since then. I remember hyper-Calvinists and Dylan talking to him. Look, I've dealt with folks who don't like crosses and people who hate Christmas trees. I had a family that I worked with years and years ago. They got upset with me because I would talk about Christmas in teen Sunday school because their family would not observe Christmas. It was a pagan holiday. Christmas and Christmas trees and makeup. Shame on you guys. <laughs> there have been a couple times I've had these ugly spots and Ruth put it on me. Makeup and pants on women and shorts on men. There's a boy told me I was going to go to hell one day because I wore a pair of, swim, I wore, wore a pair of shorts swimming in Glacier Lake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Playing cards, mixed bathing. Now, look, it's bath time. I'm going to do it by myself. 
But I take my family to the beach. And I'm not one of these preachers that's going to tell everybody we go to the coast because beach is like some kind of a cuss word. But I understand why people have this. I mean, if somebody wants to have that, I'm not going to be unkind to them. But I'm going to try to teach my church something a little different. Something that's sound. Something that's has the liberty that God so designed for the Christian life. I've dealt with TV. I've known folks who've said you can't be Christian and have a TV in your house. And I've watched those same folks over the course of the last 20 years get several in their homes. Facebook, Internet, instruments in church. There are a lot of folks who think that we're sinning every time we meet because we've got a piano in our church. But then there's other people who have pianos in their church who think other churches are sinning every time they meet because they've got a drum in their church. Now look, every person has to answer to God for that. And I'm committed to the sacredness of God's house and Christian music. But look, may we not be hung up in gray places fighting over things that cause division in God's house to neglect the preaching of God's word. That's why Paul said to Rome, Hey, listen! Y'all are blessed with a diverse congregation from multiple backgrounds. Don't fall into this trap. Soundtracks. <laughs> well, that's a cuss word some places. I remember, I mean, we grew up here. I started coming here to church as a, a seventh grader and sang. Someone handed me Shepherd Boy, the soundtrack, and I got to sing it. I loved it. And I remember going to a church. You, some of you know it. It's fine. But there were some folks in that church that didn't like soundtracks. And I remember being told you can't sing that here because we don't use soundtracks. And I thought, what in the world? What's wrong with these people? But then I realized, hey, look, if they, that's, what they, that's fine. I can respect that. And we sang something different. I battled my attitude for a minute. And I remember the Lord gave me victory over that childish attitude and sang anyway. And the, and the Lord blessed culottes, tapered haircuts. I, I'm not kidding. Now, I traveled and represented Crown College for years. And, man, you go into all kinds of circumstances. I've been places where they wanted me to preach, but they wouldn't let me sing because my singing was so contemporary and modern. And that's fine. I just don't want to be half-baked. I don't want to be full of doubtful disputations. I don't want to let anything slide that is important to God and is clear and rock solid in God's word, but doubtful disputations, we're to avoid them. And we're to actually help people to get over them. Patch pocket pants. Homeschool, Christian school, public school. And I'll just tell you, I could, I could come up with a hundred more. Because for 20 years I've been like, you got to be kidding me. That bothers them. 
And then sometimes I've got to look at my own life and say, you got to be kidding me. Cody, you've let that bother you? Doubtful disputations. The Bible says that we need to beware. If the church at Rome was had the proclivity to fall into the trap of doubtful disputations, waving their banners and fussing about things that were secondary to the gospel and the real fight against real sin and real truth, then if the church at Rome needed to be careful about it, so is the church at Chai Baptist. Doubtful disputations. He said in this text, he says in verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Verse 2, For one believeth that he may eat all things. He says, here's the example. One person believes he can eat anything he wants to. I'm in this camp. Another who is weak eateth herbs. And if that's what a person has come to, so be it. It's okay. It's okay. You're free to worship here. You're not free to make a fuss here about me having something different to eat that you think I probably shouldn't. If you watched me eat every day, you'd probably take objection. <laughs> but we'll be careful because doubtful disputations are something that the devil uses to hinder the cause of Christ. And so many churches have raised a banner of doubtful disputations in pride, believing that that's something they've done strong and powerful and mighty for God, but it's hindered the gospel work. It's hindered the power of the truth of God's word. And may God help us to not fall into that trap. That doesn't mean that we'll ever back up from the inerrancy of Scripture, from the deity of Christ, for salvation by grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone, things that are clearly spoken and taught in God's Word. Doubtful disputations. May God help us. Number one, doubtful disputations. Number two, let not despising, judging, and pride be part of your church. Now look at what the text says. Verse number three. The Bible says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him that which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Now this is so important. I don't want you to see this. This has been so helpful to me. The Bible says, first of all, let not. Now that, those two words are very important. That means it's the job of sound Christians to prevent this trash from taking over our church. Let not. Now, then it says this. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Now, I'm an eater. And so the Bible says, make sure that he doesn't despise the people who eat not. Don't despise them. Then it continues. Look what, else the, look what it says next. And let not him which eateth not the vegetarians, let them which eat not or eat kosher would probably be exact to what the interpretation is. Let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. 
Now, this is important. There's two words you need to pay close attention to. Despise. Do you see that word despise? Let me tell you what we're tempted to do. If someone is right of us, like if someone appears to have a higher standard than we do, if someone appears to take things a little bit more serious than we do or do things a little more hard shell than we do, you know what we're tempted to do? From our place, our position, we're tempted to despise those that are to our right. There have been through the years a lot of folks who've despised me for a little bit further right stance on a lot of things. I understand that. But I also understand that I have the temptation to despise those that are further right of me. The first time I ever was invited to preach somewhere and they wouldn't let me sing, my first reaction was, who they think they are? You know what I was tempted to do? I was, tempt- I was tempted to despise those people because they thought they were somehow smarter or better than me. But I want you to know something. That I had to get my heart right with God quickly because that was the wrong reaction. People who are to our right, we're tempted to despise them. So you see somebody that dresses a little bit more fancy or acts a little bit more fancy or does things a little more proper or has a little higher standard or maybe even just goes a little bit further right than you do. You're tempted to despise them. If you catch yourself despising those folks, you are the people. And I am the person that God says, let not that happen. Then the Bible says this. The Bible says, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. Now, someone's left of us. They've got different music. They've got different dress. They look, it's kind of like, they're a little loosey-goosey. That's what we like to say. What are you tempted to do? Look down your self-righteous nose and judge them. God knew what you'd do. God knew what I'd do. God knew what was happening at the church in Rome 2,000 years ago. He said, now you listen to me. If they're to your right, don't you despise them. And if they're to your left, don't you judge them. You just let God take care of them. It's a doubtful disputation. Don't despise them. Don't judge them. And don't be proud. Look at the scriptures. I love this. Verse number four. Look at the Bible says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? You know what that says? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are judging someone else's servant? Guess what? There are people on our left that are the servants of the Lord. And there are people on our right that are the servants of the Lord. And God in his word says, who do you think you are judging someone else's servants? Who who do you think you are judging God's servants? Honestly, I read that today. And last week, but especially today, God pricked my heart. Who do you think you are? He says, don't be despising, don't be judging, don't be proud. He says, your job is to let not that spirit reign in my church. I love it. 
The Bible says in verse 4, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Number one, doubtful disputations. Number two, despising, judging, and proud. Don't let that happen. Let not despising, judging, and pride be in your church. Number three, personal persuasion is very important. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to study and know God's word and make decisions according to God's word for ourselves. You see, who do you answer to? You don't answer to me. You don't. Now, it's kind of interesting because the pastor answers for the church to God. That's scriptural. But you answer to God for yourself. And so the Bible says something very plain in verse number 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, this is an interesting verse because what were they fussing about? They were fighting about the kosher diet, and they were also fighting about Sabbath worship. When's the Sabbath day? It's on Saturday. It's on Saturday. Sunday's not the Sabbath. There are people in the Seventh-day Adventist church, they believe that Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. There's a reason why we meet on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. We meet on Sunday in honor of the resurrection. But I want you to know something. It's important we set aside a day for the Lord, but the day is not the most important thing. And so the Bible says here, one man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. One guy says, this is the Lord's day. Another guy says, well, I can do better than that. I'm going to give myself the Lord every day. And you can see the Lord's day guy fighting with the everyday. It's the Lord's day guy. You see that? But the Bible says something important. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Personal persuasion. Opinions are okay. Different is okay. Be persuaded in your own mind. You answer the Lord for yourself. It's okay to get some help. It's okay to hear what the Bible says and hear what the preacher has to say about it. But you have to answer the Lord. Be fully persuaded in your own mind. Personal persuasion is very important. And number four, finally, who do we live for? Who do we live for? The Bible says in verse number six, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. Look, if you regard the Lord's day, regard it to the Lord. What you do, do it for God. Do it for the Lord. The word Lord is very important here because we're servants of the Lord. When we realize that we're just here to serve God, we're here to serve the Lord, we're servants. He's our Lord. We're his servants. We regard the day we should regard of the Lord. I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm here to please the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. He says, look, it's possible to please the Lord if you're convicted and convinced that the kosher diet's the way to go. Do it to the Lord. Do it for the Lord. Or if you eat whatever you want to eat and you give God thanks for it, do it for the Lord. If you worship on this day, do it for the Lord. That's okay. 
If you worship on every day, do it for the Lord. It's okay. It has everything to do with the Lord. And the Bible says, as it continues in verse number 7, none of us live to himself. No man dieth to himself. We're not our own. Verse 8, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Let me tell you something. If you've become captive to a doubtful disputation because you're afraid you're going to make some person mad, you're a bondage, you're in bondage to man's religion. Do what God wants you to do. The Lord. You're the Lord's. And if you find yourself fighting over something, Guess what? You want people to conform to your image and not the Lord's. You see, the doubtful disputations, the Bible says, let not that be part of my church. Don't let that be part of my church. There's a lot of things that are strong and right and true, and there's plenty to preach against, plenty to preach for. He says, the doubtful disputations, you make sure that you live in submission to the Lord and you have your heart in tune with the Lord because you're going to answer to the Lord. You're his servant. Make sure you do it for the right reason. Doubtful disputations. You know, God wants us to be free. God wants us to have rest and peace, not in bondage. That doesn't mean that God wants us to live wickedly. He made it very plain in the last chapter that we're to live holy, righteous, honest, clean, pure, separated, consecrated lives. If you're upset about some little thing or fussing about this little thing or that little thing or you've raised this flag or that flag and it's a doubtful disputation, God says, you need to be careful. That's not the spirit I want in my church. It's not the spirit he wanted in one of the very first, you know the church at Rome was one of the very first churches ever. It's not the spirit he wanted in one of his early churches. It's not, one of the, it's not the spirit he wants in the church of 2022. May God help us as we deal with doubtful disputations to do it with the right spirit and deal with folks that are different with the right spirit. Hey, look, where's difference night and day? I always joke with people, you don't have to be, agree on everything to get along. I said, me and Ruth, we've been married for 18 years, and we don't agree on a number of things. That doesn't mean we don't love each other, serve God together, and get a lot done. It's awesome. It's wonderful. God help us have the Spirit of Christ as the servants of the Most High God and make our authority His inerrant, infallible Word. We can agree on that. Oh, we've got a lot to agree with and agree on. And we've got a great work to do because there's a whole world that needs Jesus and needs Bible preaching, Christ-honoring, doctrinally sound churches. I pray God will help us to be that kind of one that operates in the unity and the spirit of Christ.